Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mothers of Misfits. I love that you are here to join us. And real quick, before I introduce our guest, I'm really excited to share a fun announcement with all of you. And that is, if you've ever kind of wondered like, hey, I wonder what these people are looking like when they're having this conversation. Uh, You know, if you've listened to us, but might want to watch us, now you can because we are on YouTube. So if you look for Mothers of Misfits, you'll find us. And now we're publishing our episodes with transcripts as well. So that's really helpful for those of you. I know that's been important for a lot of our guests to have the transcripts available, but you can watch us and listen to us. Awesome. Okay. We hope to see you over there. But for now, let me introduce you to Christina Forgeron. She's been an educator on three continents across grades two through nine over the last 25 years, wanting to help parents make education more peaceful and meaningful. Love that. She started Bolstered in 2020. She has a master's in education leadership, and she offers expert advice on learning. She describes herself as a far from perfect parent, aren't we all, of an eight-year-old. And she actually is also somebody who has ADD, so she offers a very human take on how it all comes together every day. Christina, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that introduction. It's nice to be here, Emily. So let's tackle those uh, two words that you talk about, which is making education more peaceful and meaningful. Of course, the idea being that it is often neither of those things for students. So what would you say are the biggest threats to peaceful and meaningful education? That's a really great question. So from the the parents that, that I have worked with over the years, both as an educator, I was also a vice principal, and so I spent a fair amount of time with middle school parents navigating those waters. I find, for me personally, I often put a lot of pressure on myself to get it right, and that manifests in pressure on my son. And what happens is I start projecting on our not so great days, and they happen. For the most part, education flows pretty smoothly in our home. But on the days when it doesn't, typically it's because I'm projecting some fear that I have for my son's future. Maybe I see him in university and not showing up or not getting it done or not being independent enough. And it's a little spiral that all of a sudden changes the way I am speaking to him, changes the intensity, it changes how I perceive him. And yours may look different than that, but nonetheless, as parents, we have to monitor what we're thinking about, what we're thinking about ourselves and what we're thinking about our kids. So that's really important. I would say that's sort of step one. And check yourself. And, um, and go easy on yourself. Often the answer to these things is compassion, isn't it? Like, it's not to drill down harder. It's to just, ah, okay, he's not me. He's not in university. He's here and now. And maybe he's having not a great day. So 
I would say that's number one. And number two is the idea that learning is actually one of the most empowering things that we as humans can do. You can't avoid learning. It is inherent in any success story. It is inherent in anyone who wants to move forward and have personal freedom and self-actualization. It is at the heart of everything. So when we as parents talk about learning, it's really helpful to keep that peace in mind. For example, when I talk about homework, we try to talk about homework not as homework. That word makes people dead inside. <laughs> we, we talk about it as practice. And I talked to my son about what learning is. So learning is a process. And so there's all the excitement of the beginning of learning where it's new and it's interesting and it's percolating. But if it is a skill that you're trying to build, the next step is often practice. And practice is not the fun part, but it's mm -hmm. the essential part. It's the part that we as parents are stuck with, really. So true. And that's the non-peaceful part. Right. Right. And so it's important for our kids to see the process of learning. And I, I just call it like sort of dorky or whatever, but like, I love it. I love it. My son is taking drum lessons right now. And when he learns a new riff, he's simply got to come home and practice that thing until he's so bored of it that it's ingrained, right? And it's not fun, but that's how you get better at things. And so you asked for two things, and I feel like I've said about 30. But, but I guess first one, just to review, the first one is just to check our own perspective and check our own sort of intentions when we are in a learning moment. And the second thing is, I guess, for me to revere learning and the power mm -hmm. that learning has and to recognize that the stuff we're doing at home, this practice, this is the stuff that's going to allow you to be the best student that you can. And let's roll up our sleeves. I know it's tough. I'm going to set the timer for 10 minutes or better yet, you set a timer for 10 minutes. Forget about the timer then and get at that practice piece. Get at that multiplication sheet. For us ADDers out there <laughs> or for kids with, with ADD, timers are essential. So that maybe it's two minutes or maybe it's you've got 30 math problems to do. Let's fold the sheet over and get rid of 25 of them and look at the first five. Do those first five only. Great. Awesome. Go for a walk, do a push-up, whatever. Take a like a one-minute break. Come back and do the next five. Oh, wait, you don't need a break? Great. Do 10. Awesome. So so it's, it's this kind of thing that uh, the acceptance of the importance of practice, the acceptance of it being an essential part of being a strong, independent human being in the world, and that it's the little strategies underneath that make it bearable. <laughs> yeah, so what I'm hearing is really the biggest threat to having peace and meaning in our child's education experience is framing it poorly. You know, when we put pressure, when we make it onerous, that's when they feel 
just overwhelmed, overrun, exhausted. That's where we have the conflict, the stress in our households. And you're really helping me think about properly framing this in our own minds and then doing the same with our child's expectation of what education can be, should be. I really love the idea of calling homework practice and making that analogy to anything else like sports. If you want to get better at it, you have to practice and it's going to feel hard because that means you're growing and you're getting better. It makes me think of, you know, in the growth mindset, the concept of adding yet to the end of a sentence. So Mm -hmm. we can encourage our kiddos who say, I can't do this yet. And that's where the practice piece comes along. And I love that you just threw in some nice gold nuggets there of some very easy, practical strategies for families to get that pit in their stomach. Like who you are, homework time is coming up. You feel like, oh, this is just always a fight waiting to happen. This is going to be miserable because homework just always feels overwhelming. And I couldn't agree with you more. I know that's something we do in our household is make it a game. How much can you accomplish in the 10 minutes, racing the clock or not having to make them do homework as soon as they come home from school. For some kids, actually my own Mason, one day we had swim lessons later in the evening and I knew we weren't going to have time to do homework later. And so I suggested when he got home from school, hey, do your homework right away, bud. And he looked at me and it made me feel horrible because he said, mom, why are you punishing me? Mm. And for him, He needs that break. He needs that space from school because school is really tiring for him. The way that school Mm -hmm. works doesn't work for him all the time. So keeping in mind, there might be these conventional ways of doing things, the right way of doing things. And in that spirit of being a misfit, there's no one size fits all solution. So um, creating a timer, making a game of it, doing it in sprints rather than a marathon. You know, you're not going to get up from this table until you're done. Giving them options of, you know, what do you want to do after the five problems? Do you want to run? Do you want to take a break? Do you want to do some coloring? So I'm going to respond to a couple of things and then I'm going to give a couple of suggestions. But first of all, I am traditional, though it may be a homework right after school person. And I say that because there is room for flexibility when bad days are there. But the essential thing that works for children with ADD is structure and and predictability. As much as they don't want it and it's difficult, having a reliable structure is is really important. I am not reliable with any structures uh, on many days, right? I have to put so many strategies in place for myself to try to get things done. And so I see that in my son and I don't know if he's ADD or not. I just use the strategies that help me to help him you know, feel successful, but we do homework right away after school. And here's what that looks like. And it's not something that if you don't have it, you can immediately jump into. And I'm not advocating for that. I'm not really advocating for anything other than here's information. What that's done for me, especially come January time is is a good time for transition. It's a good time to be thinking about what's working and what's not working and how can we make this better? My son is quite active too. There's sports on different days and drumming and things happening. Uh, So we, as soon as Jake comes in the door from said activity or from school, there is a routine and he knows what it is and he empties the backpack and he changes. And some days he needs a little mental break and I'll say, mom, can I have a, can I just take a few minutes? I'm like, 
great. No problem. What do you need? How much? 10 minutes, 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah, good. Go. And then down he comes and here's how he starts his homework. The first thing he does is look at his homework book. He's got a whiteboard and he writes all the things that he has to do. And usually it's kind of the same every night, spelling, reading, math, whatever he has to do. And then he puts a number in front of each one of those things. He gets to pick the order. He decides. And and he doesn't always write out the full word. He'll sometimes just write the abbreviation. He'll put a number next to it. He has the autonomy to choose which one he feels like doing first. One of the things with kids with ADD is that they don't see the end. So the idea of starting something and not knowing how long it's going to take is stressful. This is going to go on forever. So what he does is, let's say math is first. We take a look at the math and we say, okay, how long do you think that's going to take? Eight minutes? All right, cool. Set a timer for eight minutes and let's see if you can get that done in eight minutes. I don't try to make it fun. I, I don't, I'm not heavy about it, but I'm also not really like, let's turn it into a, a fun time because this is work and this is you practicing. So it's more like, okay, this is a conversation. See what you can get done in, in eight minutes. Great. And then off he goes. And I try to stay out of it. I try to just go and get busy at something and leave him with his list to manage that, cross things out, feels so good with kids for, with ADD, cross things out, set the time for the next thing. And we put his drumming practice on there too. And he just gets it all done and then he's finished. And then he doesn't have to think about practice slash homework for the rest of the evening. And that is what he loves is that idea of, oh, now my time's mine. There's, I can do whatever, whatever I feel like doing. So I thought I'd share that because it's working and it's creating a sense of independence in him and a sense of autonomy and ownership over, over what he's doing in school that, that I was really happy with. There's lots of ways to do it, Emily, and no disrespect to any way or any approach. We know our kids best. We are our own experts when it comes to our children, but that's a possible model that if somebody wants to pick up in January, so there's an idea. And I like it. And where we're finding common ground in this conversation is the idea of being child-directed, child-led, not like we're abdicating our responsibilities as parents. Of course, when we need to step in and lead, we will and should, but giving our kids the freedom and the space to flex their muscles of independence which requires self-awareness and requires self-regulation. And we're teaching them in these little microcosm moments and these eight minute spurts of doing math homework, for example, incredible life lessons that will carry them through into their higher education, into their work, their family life, into adulthood. So that's what's most important is rather than us telling our kids what to do and how to do it, Maybe take a step back for a minute and say, how would you do this? How do you want to get this done? What works best for you? Here are some ideas. Which one do you like the best? Let's think about that. How long do you think this will take you? When do you want to accomplish it? And just helping them. It's so easy, especially if it's like, hey, I've done homework forever. I know what works. It's just so easy to just tell them what to do and how to do it. So this might be a little bit harder at first, but 
ultimately we're really giving them those life skills to be their own best advocates and be aware so that they can communicate what works best for me and so that they can be in control of, of making that happen. Mm -hmm. I love that and be their own best advocate. That is such a great phrase to throw in the middle of all of this, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. respectful communication about who we are, what we need is also a really important life skill and it starts at home. And um, I, I certainly don't always knock that one out of the park. I have to be really clear on that. But, uh, you know, that's part of the process. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, my goodness, our time has flown by, Christina. This has been really interesting. As always, I just I picked up some great golden nuggets out of this conversation. And I'm all about practical, simple stuff that we can add to our lives. And you bring up the excellent point that January is a fresh start for so many of us. And with the new year upcoming, I think it's just a perfect time to maybe do a reset with our families and talk about with our kids. What's your new year's resolution? What do you want to, how do you want to grow in this upcoming year? What kinds of things do you want to take on and tackle? And these are great strategies to consider as we're doing that. So thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your own experiences, what works in your household. We just, I know we all really came away with something from this conversation today. Oh, thanks, Emily. Uh, that's great. And I just want to double, triple underline that what works in my household is not what I'm advocating. It is simply a story. And, and I'm really big on that. I think the more we hear stories, other people's mm -hmm. stories, like that you share on your podcast all the time, we're sharing stories. And it makes us uh, feel not alone. And it makes us maybe more creative in what is happening in our homes. So thank you for that opportunity. Mm, I couldn't have said it better myself. I love that. And that's exactly a thousand percent what this podcast is all about. It's not about telling people what to think or how to do things or any of that, but more hoping that they hear something that they can identify with and maybe some tips and tricks along the way that they can implement in their home. But thanks again. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com. <laughs>